So many in the world think for some reason God's mad at them. But ladies and gentlemen, God's not mad at you or me. God is mad at sin and the destruction it has brought upon salvation. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We've got a lot to, a lot today. We're continuing our series on the good, grace and goodness of God. And I want to minister just a very simple message for the next few minutes on the fact that he paid the debt, the debt that I couldn't pay. And I specifically choose the word the instead of a. We sing a song that he paid a debt I could not pay. I owed a a debt. But there's actually the debt. And Hebrews talks about it, the sin. And it's those things that that we keep falling back into. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible very clearly says that Jesus was passed into the heavens and and gave us the ability to come to him every time we have a need. Folks, can I tell you something? I'm a needy guy. I go to Jesus a lot. Anybody in here feel the same? What I want to talk to quickly, and I'm going to be through your notes. I've got a lot in there that I'm not going to touch on. So you can take your notes home and you can read them. Because I want to just get to the heart of what I want to deal with today. The world is full of disappointments. The world is full of hurt and resentments. Okay, listen to me. These are all debts. These are all debts that are piling up on our shoulders. Many are uncollectible, non-payable. Why? Because in and of ourselves, we don't have that ability to overcome them. But by God's grace and goodness, would you say that with me? But by God's grace and goodness, he has made a way. He opened a door that I could find a paper that has across it great big letters, debt canceled. And can I take you into that paper? You have it in your hands. You see, the Bible wasn't always in this nice leather-bound edition that you have or paperback edition. In the day, it was on scrolls, and much of those parchments were made of leather 
or they were made of some kind of papyrus or some kind of, of uh, wood material that would kind of be a paper type thing. And I want you to think about that book that you have in your hand, God's Word, with this great big stamp across you. You see it on the screen, Debt Canceled. When you hold that book in your hands, can I tell you something? The debt of your life. God is saying, here's your receipt. Paid in full. Paid in full. Let me take you into the scriptures and give you some verses that tell us that it's paid in full. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, you know who that is? That's the person sitting in your chair. Would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. But I want you to focus on the 17th verse. We all know John three sixteen. We see it at baseball games and football games and basketball. We see it all over the place. But why don't we focus on 17? Why don't we focus on 18? Because you see, they're all three tied together. Look what it says in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to like today's message. God did not send his son into the world. When Jesus came, he didn't come with a big old stick ready to slap people upon the head. Matter of fact, I believe it's in Ezekiel uh, that the Bible says God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Go, God, get him. God wants to get him all right for salvation, for restoration. He didn't send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And look what it says in, in Romans 5, 8. It says that he, he demonstrated this love. He didn't wait for you to get good while you were still a sinner. He died. Let me ask you a question. How many here, when you, you started to come to church, said, I, I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, the roof might fall in. I have people say, preacher, you know, and I, I tell them, don't worry, we reinforced already. Well, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm just too bad. I'm just too this. I'm just too that. Let me ask you something. How many get washed to take a bath? You, you, you get cleaned up to take a bath? You just kind of jump in all the dirt, don't you? You just jump in. Just as ugly as you possibly can be, you jump in. Well, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm not waiting for you to get cleaned up. I'm not waiting for you to be good enough. Boy, if that was the case, all of us would not make it. Could you say amen? In 1 John chapter 4, he says it this way. This is how God showed his love. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And then I love the way this concludes. This is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, his love not only covered, it covers all. I, I, I love animals and I, I actually enjoy watching animal trainers. I actually enjoy the zoo, I actually enjoy places where they work with animals. Did you know in all their years of study, animal trainers learned that the animals respond from love more than they do from a stick? 
You love those animals, and that's why you see many of these animal trainers, they got this, this intimate relationship with the animals, whether they're, they're giant elephants or they're the king of the beast, the lion, or some other animals. They have this, this intimate relationship. Can I tell you something? It's easier to reach people with love too. This is true with people. You don't reach them by pre- oh, you're in a burning hell. Well, the truth is, if we don't accept Christ, the Bible gives us that understanding. You can attract flies with honey, a lot more than vinegar. And it's the way it is. It's easier to love people into heaven than to condemn them. Jesus didn't come to condemn. Can I tell you a truth that I've learned in all my years of pastoring? I've been doing this a little over 30-something years. You know a truth that I've learned is most people don't even understand what it means to be a sinner. Now, if you're a Christian, you realize, I know what a sinner is. Me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I know there's teaching out there. Oh, no, that means you're putting yourself back into sin. No, I'm just reading what the Bible says. It says I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I've got some good news, folks. God has canceled the debt. No, I got three people got excited. I said God has canceled the debt. Can somebody say amen? There is a mother that brought or came to Napoleon Bonaparte for her son who was convicted and and, uh, demanded to be put to death. The mother, knowing that her son was guilty, the mother came to Napoleon and and said, Sir, I, I beg mercy for my son. And the emperor responded to the woman and said, he does not deserve mercy. I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. The mother cried, sir, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask. Think about this woman. She understood. Her son's guilty. Her son blew it. Her son did whatever it was. She didn't go and demand justice. Can I tell you something about justice? If we ask for justice, we might get just what we deserve. And you and I would not like that. She said, sir, I do not ask for justice. I don't ask for what he deserves. I ask for mercy. Let me bring it to us. Why is it that we think if a good person goes through a bad thing that it's not fair? Why is it that if I as a pastor, I as a Christian, I as a person who's living for Christ and I struggle and I go through something and you look at it or I look at it and say, God, this isn't fair. I don't deserve this. You see, when we start thinking about it like that mother and her son, We realize, yeah, we deserve a whole lot worse. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous or in right standing with God. No, not one. None of us deserve mercy. But by God's grace and goodness, guess what he gave us? Napoleon said, you ask for mercy? 
I'll show mercy. Now I want to take you to Revelation chapter 12. It's on the screen, but I always encourage you, look at these things in your Bible. That way, when you're not at church or you're not at the screen, you can actually go and find it yourself. We don't know exactly when the fall of Satan from heaven happened. We do know that it happened sometime before the Garden of Eden was created. Why do we know that? Because we know Satan was there in the Garden. And we know that he deceived Adam and Eve. And we know that Adam and Eve fell for the deception. And the Bible says that that deception is what, when they fell, the Bible says that through them sin came upon all mankind. People say, well, that's just not fair. Well, once again, think about it in the mindset of the mother. She understood what fair was. And the fair was her son deserved death. She didn't ask for fair. She asked for mercy. We have that same enemy here all these thousands of years later, some 6,000 years later, in Revelation chapter 10. It said, I'd heard a loud voice from heaven saying, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ has come. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren who accuses his people day and night before God has been cast down. What God is saying, his authority has been ripped away. He has no authority. He can't make you and I do anything, but he does have power. And that power very simply is the same deception that he used in the garden with Adam and Eve. And if he can get you to believe that things aren't fair, that things, this isn't what I deserve, then he can get you to get into bitterness, to get into anger, to get into resentment, to get into retaliation. When God says, no, 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 you got to understand, my grace and goodness sent my son while you were still lost, while I was still lost. And look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 7. He is able to save completely, completely. How many are thankful that God's working on you completely? He is able to save completely all who come to God through him. Since, listen to this, he lives forever, always reminding God that he paid for our sins. He paid the debt. Am I making sense today? But there's a reality of life that you and I get tripped up from time to time. You and I get messed up from time to time. And when Satan enables us to give in, give out, and sometimes give up, causing us to fall and to be ashamed. What do we do? It's in your notes. Alan Redpath in a tremendous book called Blessings Out of Buffetings said this thing right here. When you mess up immediately at that moment in the presence of God, don't excuse the sin, but look at the sin for what it is and judge it. Do not get yourself into the place, well, you know, I'm not as bad as somebody else. I'm not like this person or that person. No, look at it and call it for what it is. Judge it, condemn it, deal with it. 
and watch God begin to heal it. You see, when you turn it into God's face, he will turn back to you. His forgiveness, cleansing, pardoning, restoration, and the ability and power to overcome. If we refuse to do this and continue to allow ourselves to be the victim of some bad habit or some sinfulness, we'll face on a dreadful day the judgment we deserve. But God said, no, I don't want to give you judgment. I want to give you mercy. Can somebody say amen? Number two in your notes, like I said, I'm just quickly going through. God's not mad at you. I can guarantee there are people sitting in this room today that says, you know, I've, I've done the same thing. How can God forgive me? How many look in the mirror and see stupid looking back at you besides me? I, I, I look at people sometimes and say, see this here? This is ugly. I try not to be stupid. <laughs> Just, I do stupid things at times. Anybody relate to that? And I, and I look in that mirror and I say, God, I'm a mess. How could you ever love me? I know what I deserve. I know what I've done. And folks, look at me. I know what I still do sometimes. Now, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I know that you're different. Here, you messed up lately, Justin? Okay. okay. Cheryl? Yeah, okay. You see, if I want to know what's going on, I ask the husband. If I want to know the truth, I ask the wife. Some of you women are good. That's a great place to say amen right there. But we do. And so what does God tell us to do? He said, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at sin. Look at the 103rd Psalm. He said, if God should mark our iniquities, who could stand? As good as we might think we are. If God started marking our iniquities, who could stand? So many in the world think for some reason God's mad at them. But ladies and gentlemen, God's not mad at you or me. God is mad at sin and the destruction it has brought upon salvation. The 103rd Psalm continues down in the 10th verse. Look look what it says. He said, I've not dealt with man according to his sins, nor punished him according to iniquities. God says, I want to bring mercy instead of judgment. God is not interested in casting us out. His grace and mercy has made a way where there seemed to be no way. Look at Isaiah chapter 43. I, even I, God speaking of himself, he said, I am he who blots out your transgressions. Why does he do it? What's the next line say? For his own name's sake. He made a way not because he had to, but because he loved you and he loved me and he wanted to have us together with him for my own name's sake. And look what he says. And I want to remember your sins no more. I want you to make a statement. I think I left it in your notes. It's never about you and me. It's always about God. It's always about God. While we were still sinners, He sent his son to die. 
Romans chapter 4 says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. In great joy, able to walk in peace, you can get out of that same word, blessed, is the man who our Lord never counts sin against them. In Isaiah 53, I always, when I was reading from Isaiah uh, 52 all the way down to the end, where it talks about the crucifixion of Jesus, and then it talks about the last days and the return and the new Jerusalem and the new heaven, the new earth. This is one of those perplexing passages for me. And I want you to look at it, verse 10. It says these words, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the father that his son would be the reception for my sins. Have you, have you ever thought about that? That God was happy because he was seeing his son crucified because no, because he finally found the atoning sacrifice that could take Kelly's sins. Sherelle's sins. Dave's sins. His joy was not the struggle, the suffering, the pain. It was that he could have fulfilled what he originally planned from the garden. That he could walk and talk with us again. That he could have right relationship. See, this is why it pleased the Lord. Look what it says. He has put him to grief. When you made his soul an offering for sin... He shall see his seed. You and I are part. Jesus was that seed, and you and I were that fruit that was going to come forth. The victory, the hope, the overcoming. Why is that? Because God, from the foundation of the world, had planned to make a way where there was no way. The Bible tells us that Abraham... That God used Abraham to help us understand just how a heavenly father loves us. In Genesis chapter 22, it was a great picture of a sacrifice. God called Abraham one day, and you can read it in the notes on the screen or in your own Bibles. And, and one day Abraham and Sarah were at home and they were just rejoicing with Isaac, the, the child that God had promised them. 125 years later after the promise, they received it. But the reality is God had promised, I said 125 years. No, Abraham was 125 years old when the promise came. Okay. But the promise was fulfilled many years after it was given. And God said, I'm going to use a picture to show the whole world how much I love. And look what it says here. God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham responded, Lord, here am I. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to harm him. Now the picture is God called Abraham out and said, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son. To bring an offering to me. 
and Abraham, and I want you to get to, you have to read the whole, the whole passage there in, in Genesis 22, but get the picture of Abraham. As Abraham was spoken to by God and said, go to a place that I'll show you, go to Mount Moriah and offer your son. Now, Mount Moriah is the place where the Temple Mount is right now in Jerusalem. If they allow us, when we go to Jerusalem on that day, and we're able to go into the Allah Mosque or the Dome of the Rock, that is the rock that they said Abraham offered Isaac on. Don't know for sure, but that's what they say. God told Abraham, go to this place. And you know what God, You know what Abraham did? He started arguing with God. He started fighting with God. He started getting, not at all. He said, okay, God, I don't understand all of this. But now as you read through Genesis 22, he puts a bunch of wood on the back of a donkey. He puts the supplies they needed for a three-day journey. They took the son and he took two servants with him. And the boy, as they were leaving the house, they said, Father, I, I see the wood. I see the materials. I see the stuff that we need. But where's the sacrifice? Before Abraham even left his tent, he said, Son, God will provide. They traveled. The servants were there with him. They come to the base of Mount Moriah. And all of a sudden... Abraham turned to the servants. Listen, this is a man that knows his God. This is a man that knows the grace and goodness of his God. He turned to the servants and says, wait here. The boy and I will return. Read it in Genesis 22. Before he ever went up the mountain, before he ever made the altar, before he put the wood down there, Abraham knew that his God was going to make a way. Look at me. You might face things that are not fair. You might face things that might be frustrating. You might face things that might be aggravating or irritating or any of the other aidings you can come out with. But God said, I'll just make a way. Don't ever let the devil make you think that where you are is because you've done something wrong or because God's mad at you. Yes, you may have done something. That S word. What was it? Stupid, yeah. We do. But God says, that's okay. I'll still make a way because I'm not interested in judging you. I want to give you mercy. He said, the boy and I will return. Well, we know. We've heard the story so many times. He lifted, he, he built the altar. He put the wood down there. And this was always amazing. By this time, Isaac is a teenager. If my dad was going to put me on a bunch of sticks and light it on fire, I think I might have put a little irritation. I might put up a little protest. But the Bible doesn't record that. When he built the altar, put the the wood on there, his son still said, Father, I see the altar, I see the wood. Or as a sacrifice. And I can picture. I can picture. 
Abraham lifting his son up and his son not fighting at all. You know why? Isaac knew his God just like his daddy knew his God. And as Abraham was lifting him up to lay him on the altar, he said, son, God will make a way. God will provide. And the Bible says that Abraham lifted the knife, and now we pick up the story. Do no harm to the boy. Look what he says here, though. For now I know you fear God. That word fear is not afraid of God. Now I know that you honor me. You respect me. You reserve the all that is, that is to get, be given to me. He said, I know you understand our relationship, who I am, who you are. And the Bible says that right there, you did not hold your son, your only son. Look at the picture, folks, as I ask the, all, the worship team to come. Look at the picture here. God said, I'm going to show you in the beginning of time what I'm going to do in the end of time. I'm going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. You would not hold your son. And I just think it's interesting. Your only son, the representation of Christ. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there in the thicket was a ram. He took the ram, offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Look at me quickly, please. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at. God has a ram in the thicket waiting for you. God said, I have another sacrifice. And 2,000 years ago, it was my son. All I want you to do is just come to me. Come to me. Just come back to me. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Look what it says here. God was in Christ, working through Christ to bring the whole world back to himself. God no longer held man's sins against him. And he gave us the work of telling and showing this to everyone. We are Christ's missionaries. God is speaking to you through us. We are speaking for Christ. And we ask you from our hearts to turn from your sins and turn to God. And then this was the ingredients that he gave of how we can do that. He said, because Christ, who never sinned, God put all of our sin on him, that we who were never made right could become right through Christ in God. Today, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. But I do know that God has made a way. We had a wonderful altar service in the beginning. But today, at this time, I want to ask you just real simple. Do you know Jesus? Because outside of that, there is no hope. Outside of that, there is no promise. Throughout the scriptures that we read this morning, we found it was God's only son that made a way. Throughout the scriptures, we understood that through Christ, we can have the forgiveness of sins. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, could I ask you? Could I beseech you as the word of God says? Even implore you to say, today would you make it the first day of the rest of your life and come to know Christ? Come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. If we just bow our heads for just a moment. 
Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for those that are here that might not know you. God, that they could come to you. For those, God, that might not understand that they could understand. They could have the forgiveness of their sins. God, that was given to us by your grace and goodness. Help us, Lord, to know that you're not mad at us. You sent your only son to die for us, that we could have healing, that we could have forgiveness. Father, for that, I thank you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, just for a moment, just for a moment. Let me ask you, do you not know Jesus? But today you say, I want to know him. I want to make him my Lord and Savior. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. We are-